0: Hey, everybody. This is Greg. Happy holidays. I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit before we get on with the podcast. And first of all, a big thank you to everybody. Everywhere Rob and I go, a lot of people come up to us and say how much they enjoy the podcast, and we enjoy making the podcast for you guys. So thank you so much for your support. And on that note, I want to let everybody know we're looking for two sponsors for 2019. So hit me up at Greg Robertson at gmail.com if you're a company or you're interested in sponsoring we'd really love to continue this and i think we're just getting our getting started with this rob and i for the past year here of putting this on and uh, i think we're getting our kind of feet underneath this and and really getting a, a good vibe and flow and i would love a couple sponsors to be our participant in that so let me know Greg Robertson at gmail.com and once again thanks to everybody happy holidays and now on with the show
1: Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Industry Relations with Rob and Greg. This is Rob Hahn, the notorious one, and with me is my co-host, Greg Robertson. How are you, Greg? Hello, Rob. <laughs> Every single time. I don't I don't get it. <laughs> anyway, hopefully it is bright and sunny where you are. Of course it is, because you're in Southern California, you know. Beautiful here. Of course it is. I mean it's bright and
0: sunny here, but I suspect you're, what, what is it, like 75 over here? No, actually, it's about, it's. I mean, here is crisp, but it's a crisp like 67 right now. So it's it's nice.
1: It's like a crisp 45 over here in uh, <laughs> South Carolina. But I shouldn't complain because, you know, we have listeners in like Minneapolis, you know.
0: That's true. <laughs> like the frozen north. <laughs> it's, it's sunny over there in some respects, isn't it? I, I mean, I guess all I know is they have like underground tunnels, right you didn't get my you didn't get my pun. It's Wait, sunny, sunny over there, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> oh, yes, yes,
1: it's very sunny over here.
0: It's <laughs> sunshine every day, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh so it's been a while since we talked, and I know we got a couple of like really interesting things that's happened. Uh, I figure we'd get to it um i don't, I mean, you know, I think the most interesting thing in, in the last couple of weeks, man, is this video. From uh, Anders—is uh, it Anderson, Andreessen Andriesen Horowitz, Andresen Horowitz, AZ sixteen, and one of their general partners, Alex Rampel. Have you seen this?
0: Oh uh, yeah, I, I posted about it. I've seen it. Um, I, I mean, they're, they've got a great podcast as well, which uh, I, you know, I'm uh, addicted yeah. to. Do they talk a lot about real estate? Because not so much in the fact that it's more, you know. Um, it's part of their conversation. But I mean, it, it's more about the the normal Silicon Valley stuff of working with venture and the things they're focusing on. I know, you know, crypto and all that, all that stuff.
1: Right. So just before we even get into that, I'm just curious, because you are, you know, a startup guy, right? Although it's hard to call you a startup anyway. You're like really established. You know, w and is, you know, it's a powerful company with a powerful leader. <laughs> 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 but like... Yeah, you know, saying that you're kind of the start of like, how big a deal is it if Andreessen Horowitz calls you to more invest like in here?
0: Oh, it's a huge deal.
1: Okay. Um, you
0: know, again, that's, you know, that's a whole different game. I mean, we've never, in my career of, this would be the third software company I've owned, or right. you know, and the second one I've started from scratch. We've always been from the kind of bootstrapping philosophy, right, of, of, of right. Its, our, it's self-funded, but... Um, in that world, in the VC world, I mean, Dreisen Horowitz. I mean, you know, you can argue that um, Mark Dreisen invented the internet. I mean, with Mozilla, everything else. I mean, sure. The guy's a super smart guy. Sure. Uh, Horowitz, Ben Horowitz. I mean, you would love him. I don't know if you read if you've ever read his. He's got that seminal book, like the hard things about hard things, where he talks about really, you know, it's like the Bible for any kind of self-funded startup. And he's right. a, he's a huge '90s rap fan, also. So every oh. chapter starts off with a some sort of rap verse from your favorite nineties rap. um, I like him already. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's a great, a great book. You should read it. It's an easy, fast read, but no, those guys are, you know, the the creme de la creme, of of course. And uh, one of the things that a lot of people don't know about that, because I just, I just finished this book a few months ago called who is Michael Ovitz. And, you know, Michael Ovitz was, you know, a huge Hollywood player. He started CAA, but um, they kind of structured, Andreessen and Horowitz around the same structure as CAA, and there's a lot in the book about that, which is you know, how they view founders as talent and deals they put together. It's it's really fascinating okay. you know, really fascinating company. Yeah. All
1: right. Well, uh, if anyone from Andreessen and Horowitz is listening and you're looking for an investment in real estate, could I recommend W&R Studios? Uh, although I <laughs> don't really need your venture money, but just saying, they're a powerful company doing oh. interesting things.
0: <laughs> I would love to have lunch with either one of those guys, for sure. Yeah.
1: So anyway, um, about Alex. Look, I mean, my take was pretty straightforward, man. Like, I, that guy got it, you know? Like, he really understood, like, how this industry works and what the flaws are, what the weaknesses are. And, you know, like, I couldn't see anything yeah. that he said that I, like, really disagreed with.
0: You know, what do you think? Yeah, you know, it, it's 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 a little bit – it was a little bit humbling in a sense because, he he did kind of lay out to bear some of the kind of obvious flaws right. in quote unquote organized real estate. Right. And it, it it's kind of tough to swallow when you've spent your whole life working in that field, right? right. To kind of see somebody from the outside, just kind of like, well, you know, just basically like a surgeon, just, just right. cut out every, you know, and, and show to the world, everything out there. Right. Um, so yeah it it was it was kind of humbling a bit and and you know the the certainty these guys have I um, I think that when I posted this on Bender Alley I, I just I just put a simple link to the video and then underneath I said hug your kids right <laughs> I saw that yeah <laughs> <laughs> cuz it's like you know it's like god damn man I mean come on man <laughs> and and just one quick other thing is like I was at this um prop tech CEO Summit up in San Francisco a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and they had a lot of these people, the CEOs of a lot of the companies they talked about up there. Yeah, and man, I ran into the CEO of Divi, okay, um, which was that company they talked about where why why own all your house? Like right. Divi will buy it for you and then kind of do basically what they call a uh, a leaseback, right? Right. And I think she's all of like twenty six. Right. And just smart as a goddamn whip. Of course. Right. And she, you know, I saw her, she was on one of the panels. I'm like, oh my God, these guys are just going to eat our lunches, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was just, it was scary. It was scary to me. Yeah and, yeah. and like, that's the
1: thing. Like, as he's talking, and I'm just like, goddamn you know, this is like every red dot I've ever written, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. 10 years mm-hmm. of my blog posts, like, right, they're like coming out of his mouth in half an hour. um you know, and the funny things, you know, like, I've been giving black swan presentation. I've been doing all this for years, but <laughs> I got to cater to my audience, you know, so I can't right. say some of the shit that he's saying. Cause you don't, know, you know, he's not talking to a real estate audience, he's talking to a venture audience, talking to a tech audience. So yeah. he, he's just like yeah. brutal. You know, and there's no, yeah. You know, what was funny is there was no like judgment, right? He doesn't have a, Oh
0: no, it was, it was matter of factly. right? Yeah. Um,
1: there's no agenda, yeah. you know, it's just boom, boom, boom. Like, Dude, when he talked about the mode.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So, Washington, so there was the app. He, he, just for people who haven't seen the video, yeah. he talked about downloading every real estate agent in the state of Washington and then looking at the average, median, and mode. And he says, I'm sure a lot of people know what the average is right. and the median, but what's the mode? The mode is the most common recurring digit. Right. Right. And that was, in this case, maybe you, you can tell me. <laughs>
1: The mode in this case was zero. 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 Zero transactions. That's the most commonly occurring number. Yeah. So, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it it's, was
0: and, brutal. It, you know, and it's it's just, uh, again, right to the heart, man. Right into the heart. And the,
1: and what's funny is, like, he actually says, you know, because, look, when when these things come up, you know, the typical response from the industry is, yeah, 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 but real estate is belly-to-belly business. You know, it's the most expensive mm-hmm. transaction. You know, everybody needs the guidance of an experienced realtor, you know, all of that stuff. And Rampel actually says that, right? I mean, he says, this is the most expensive transaction. It's the biggest asset, you know? And yet, it's like he draws the opposite conclusion. So he says, because of this, we're all going to just sell our companies to, I mean, sell our houses to companies. I mean, that was the whole theme, right? right? That we will, in the future, we're going to buy and sell our houses to companies, and it blew my mind,
0: yo. It blew my yeah. mind. Well, he basically blew up the narrative of you want a trusted advisor. You want somebody that knows what they're doing because it's the biggest asset you have. And right. then he just blew that up by saying, you know, oh, are we talking about real estate agents? Is that the people you're talking about to help you guide you through this thing? Well, um, just I don't want to blow your bubble here, but <laughs> none of you know, most of them have never done anything. So they're just as good as you. You can pick <laughs> yeah. a man on the street. But that was it, brutal. It's just like oh, you know, oh fuck. That was brutal. Just, yeah, I mean, he, yeah. Did, he did turn that whole,
1: like, surgeon example on its head, right? You know, because in, in our industry yeah. we are, you know, do you want to perform surgery on yourself? And he goes, yeah, do you want the surgeon, to, like, this to be his first surgery? <laughs> like, oh right. my god, it's. Yeah. But there's a subtext to that that I think is sort of interesting, which is, I don't think he actually said that you don't want an agent. Yeah, I didn't get that. Like, I th- I don't think he said you don't you don't need advice from a realtor. You don't need guidance. I think what he said was you need advice and guidance, but he thinks it's going to be companies that provide it, not
0: individuals. Yeah, it's going to be metrics, right? I mean, I think, the, I think the thing he mentioned was, you know, the agent said absolutely you have to stage this. Absolutely, we have to put this in the paper. And he asked, uh, how do you know this? Right. Right. How, how do you know this? And and the thing was that they, the agent just was based upon experience or what it they, they had no data right. to okay. kind of say, yes, this advertising in the paper does this. Right. right. So, you know, so that's what he was saying. I think a lot of it can be handled by, you know, machine learning or, or whatnot. Right. right?
1: And, and, you know, in a weird way, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I heard that and I also got into a way that he thinks it's going to be sort of a combination right? That like you do need this human support. You do need someone to build your hand. Especially when you make such a huge transaction. But that individual that's helping you, the real value may not be coming from the person. It might be coming from algorithms and data and technology and software. Now, look, there is some bias to it, right? Because, you know, Andreessen Horowitz, they're venture capitalists. They do believe that software is the world. So we do have to take that into account. But I I found it hard to disagree. (laughs) And it was, like you said, it was uncomfortable. It's like, oh, God. Suddenly,
0: so I feel naked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you know. Again, going back to that summit that yeah. I was at, uh, Mike Mike Dilpretti did a fantastic presentation as mm-hmm. he usually does, and um, he talked about how you know all this is you know all the things tech and everything is good and great, but there's something in economics that's called loss aversion, right. right? Right? He's written about it, and and he he is not really convinced that a lot of the companies kind of get this. And that he thinks that a lot of companies in this space should hire as many, you know, or, you know, maybe it's partnering, but this, this sense of like, you need somebody, you do need somebody to handhold you. You need, you do need reassurance. You do need humans to kind of like get you over right. the hump of just, it ain't going to be one click. Right. right. And that, and that kind of, to me bodes well for the future of an agent or, or something like that. Right. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of factors here. I'm not ready to, I mean, I'm not, I'm not calling it quits right. here for sure, right? But um, it's just it's just sobering. And then you know all the amount of money they're pouring into this, the amount of capital. But that doesn't always mean things are going to happen. I mean, famously this month also, um, Playster right. just announced that you know after $100 million right. in funding, they had f- partnerships with REMAX, Keller Williams, and the National right. Association of Realtors. They had 140 employees, right, are now basically laid everybody off where they're down to 25 people. And they're
1: refocusing.
0: Right. So execution matters. matters. Money doesn't mean everything. Partnerships don't matter. So, you know, there's money. Money isn't everything, right? You you still got to execute. So there's a, a long way to go. And then there seems to be a trend here now. And it's happening for a while. I mean, you know, if you go back to Zillow, a lot of these guys come in this business and think they're going to disrupt it. And they, they always come back to mama, as I like to say. <laughs> they always come back to the world. Right? You know, Open Door is now, you know, courting sure. agents with, you know, thousand-dollar sure. things. And, you know, I'm sure. So, I, I, I'm not, you know, like I said, I'm not quitting. I am not. I don't think the industry should throw in the towel here. But there's going to be a new normal. So, here's, sure.
1: you know, here's how I think about it. You know, when the whole, like, disintermediation thing conversation is going on, what, like, 10 years ago? Right. And people like, you know, people always need an agent or, you know, is talking about commission rates and, you know, we're worth, you know, S, Y, Z. And I'm like, you know, the conversation is not black and white, right? It's not people will no longer need agents. Right. It's not it's not that I think the real conversation is is actually around. Yes, people need advice. Yes, people need guidance. What are they willing to pay for it? So that's question one. And the question, too, is, yes, people need guidance. Yes, people need, you know, uh, someone to hold their hands and loss aversion and all of that. But how many agents does that actually need, like require?
0: Right? Yeah, no.
1: So, I mean, right. I, you know what's kind of interesting? And I, maybe I'm taking the conversation a totally side direction here. But, you know, I was reading something recently about uh, technology and its impact on teachers, right? the teaching profession. And as you can imagine, right. there's a huge amount of debate going on, right? And I, I can't remember where I read it, but there was some, you know, apocryphal quote or something attributed to like Bill Gates or, you know, or uh, Sergey, you know, uh, from Google. Apparently, you know, where this where this like tech guy goes to a, an education teacher conference and says something like, you know, uh, in the future because of technology, every teacher is going to make like two hundred thousand dollars a year, and you know. Uh, Work over all this wonderful technology and have all these systems to back them up, and video, and online, and streaming, and you know, the world's library at their fingertips, et cetera, et cetera. All the teachers clap, and then he says, "Now the bad news is, I only need a hundred thousand of them."
0: Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot right? of right. I mean, there for that, sure.
1: so I feel like you're right. It's not, and I think maybe that's the piece that you know, Mike DelPreti, like you know, I agree with him, and I think that's the piece that maybe we're not seeing clearly. I don't think uh alex rampel was saying agents are doomed like they're gone and they'll be replaced by that. An and if that's what mike is you know arguing against that's a strong man you know the real question is how much will people pay to have an agent assist them, number one and number two how many agents does that require when we have five and a half million transactions a year
0: that's yeah yeah i mean um yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, you you brilliantly went over that a lot in the last yeah. Red Dot report yeah. and talked about like what are the, there's going to be other factors there that, that go to your first point of right. of cost, right? I mean, when Redfin starts, you know, doing this nationwide promotion of a one yeah. percent listing fee, uh, if that shit yeah. takes on, man, I mean, that in itself, forget the other things that are going on there. That 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 itself could. Uh, could really you know mess oh, with I, everybody? I, I know
1: it will. I mean, it's just there. a matter of time, in, in my opinion. This is not a if but a when situation.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, I don't think you know when. When I was on Twitter, there was a I was posting the video and talking about it, and you know, a lot of people came up there like talking about you know. I think even Jay Thompson had had kind of talked about after Sam had posted something about how there's a lot of agents that you know they they just have their license because they might do some deals every now and then, but right. they're not really active. And, you know, Jay says, yep, I've I've still got my license and I haven't done a transaction in five years. I don't, you know, and I don't know if that's like a whistling through the graveyard kind of thing there, but because that's not who we're talking about. I guess maybe if that, if Jay's still a member of an MLS and there's some technology companies making a a per member per month fee on that person, sure. But, you know, they're not, they're not, you know, using tools to actively sell real estate. So I don't know if that's just, you know, like I said, uh. Uh, I mean, think about stuff. like the response I got. You know, I posted on Facebook
1: just like a stat, right? <laughs> that the average redfin agent does like thirty two transactions. You know, yeah, and yeah. that implies that we, you know the world only needs like two hundred fifty thousand realtors or something. Like that. Yeah, and
0: okay.
1: people flip <laughs> the fuck out, yo. Know? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I didn't say yeah. it all I did was post a stat, right? And people flipped out. I'm like, okay, obviously there's a lot of tension, you know. Obviously, the, the agents in the field feel this, right? That they feel like something is going to happen. They feel uncertain. They feel nervous, you know, and, and uh, you know, it's making them react. And I get that. But at the same time, it's like, again, Andreessen Horowitz is a superstar. You know, they're Silicon Valley royalty. They're they're actually putting their money where their mouth is. And this guy, Ram like I, you know, like you and I said, he just literally hit it out of the park. Surgeon-like yeah. precision and just dissected it, uh, which is, you know, I mean, it's uh, it's it's an uncomfortable feeling.
0: Okay, so let's let's go from hitting it out of the park to absolutely just <laughs> shitting the bed. You mean? <laughs> and <I> <laughs> what I do? <laughs> no, no. Let's let's talk about one subject where they actually you know hit out of the park, but another company. That is actually just shit the bed. I think you know what we am talking about. Are we talking
1: about a certain joint venture uh, between? Uh, yes, yes okay. I think so I am. What was your take on
0: it? Well, you know, there's just, I don't even know why they anybody tried to save any face here. Okay. Right? Just just the quotes from and both And by the sides. way, what company are we talking about, uh, Greg? We're talking about Upstream RE and uh, I guess right. RPR, right? And, and again, I have my own opinions on, who really is who really is at fault here? But just just the kind of the language they use to kind of get like this was the I mean it's just why even do that? Just say you know what, take your lumps. This didn't work. We're moving on, right? To try to paint it any other way was just like it was laughable, right? I, I, going back to kind of the Placer thing, I think there was a, a quote from Seth in there talking about you know it's really hard to scale back when things right. are going so right. well. I <laughs> mean, like nobody believes that man <laughs> right what are you talking about man just you know face reality here and and the same thing here it's just like you know the quotes from alex and 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 bob were just i mean it was just oh my god i don't, don't you think they have to though please why do we have to do these things just you know I mean, speak I mean, in plain English, relations plain like you gotta say face but nobody under no everybody, you know, it's, it's bullshit because they everybody knows it's bullshit. Why? Why are you just like? They got to be whoever's writing that stuff has got to go. Okay, I know everybody's gonna think this is bullshit. Okay, but here so I go, let me right?
1: let me attempt to defend Upstream and Alex to some extent because you know, okay, Alex is a good, good. I like Alex. He's a friend, right? So I yeah, think the yeah. the way I could try and defend it is look, the whole RPR as a vendor while NAR was paying for everything was never going to work. Right? I mean, there's no scenario in which that that relationship works,
0: right? I, I totally disagree with you, but go ahead. Okay. To,
1: when, when else? What, like, is there some example of where that works? You're my vendor, but you're paying me. Like, you know what I mean? Like,
0: I'm not paying you, but you're my vendor. How does that work? Again, it goes back to just what are you asking for? What's no, your I don't want a piece of code. I mean, you should know this right. better than you. Right, you know, you got to. To me, they they went entirely too big on what they wanted. Right, this is you know this is a large project. You have thirteen million Mm dollars to spend. Right, you got you know you have to you have to kind of set your expectations smaller, give yourself some constraints to kind of tackle little solutions at first, and then go bigger and bigger and bigger. These tries try to eat Ah, the whole pie at the same time. This is all nah. about execution, man. Nah, it's all about execution. The, the flaw is is what
1: you said. You said you have thirteen million dollars to spend. My point is you don't have thirteen million dollars to spend. Because it's not your thirteen million dollars. You're not spending it. You don't have the authority to spend
0: it. You don't control that money. What are you talking about? Every every venture capitalist, every CEO of a company that's venture funded, that money's coming from somewhere right. else, not themselves. Right? So it's not, you know, they're they're in charge of like how to spend that and to manage who's who's who they're giving that money to. But here's what I'm getting at, okay?
1: This to me, if, if it was like a venture capital play, that actually would have made more sense. In other words, if NAR had a check to upstream, okay, so here's thirteen million dollars. We're investing thirteen million dollars in upstream. In exchange we want forty percent of the equity, like a VC would, right? And we're gonna put somebody in your board of directors to make sure you're doing your job. Then Upstream can go okay. We're going to hire RPR to build a system for us, and uh, uh, six months into it, they spend two million bucks, and they're like, "Holy crap, this is too big. We got to scale back." You know what I'm saying? Like then you're the client. You control the vendor. Vendor doesn't deliver. You say we're pulling the plug, right? You can do that, but that's not what happened. I mean, the thirteen million was—it it wasn't like NAR wrote a check to an, to an Upstream for thirteen million. What the thirteen million was, we're going to keep funding RPR, me. which is our company. You know, we control it; it's ours. All you know, like that—that's what I'm saying. It's that—that that, to me is unsustainable, That—that right? that doesn't work. So I'm not disagreeing with you about the execution. I'm not disagreeing with you about the scale and the vision, all of it. I'm just saying, look, from the very beginning, if you say you have a vendor you're not paying them you don't have a vendor
0: right again i can imagine a lot of people a lot of companies could make that situation work it didn't work in this case this had been a, a great story if it did work out right nar would be able to help uh, their their up community out there was a, a newly found company that got this kind of funding and and vendor to kind of build something for them and i, I think there was absolutely a chance for this to work ah. You know, and, and maybe I'll go far as to say there's, there's blame on both sides. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if you're if you're the the board of directors of Upstream, this well, is uh, on you. Yeah.
1: I don't know if you saw my post about this Upstream
0: sign-up. Yeah. I mean, <coughs> I, I, I know you're talking about it's it's all – it even goes higher level than that. Yeah. It's like how you're structured, whether you're a nonprofit yeah. or for profit. Yeah, right, it is. That's on I, them too. I, yeah, yeah, I agree. Right? Look, I mean, the, the first – so, but but to me, I'm not going to be. I mean, I, as far yeah. as like NAR is concerned, you know, they have some here to blame. But I mean, the the vast blame or majority of issues to me, I have with it is is on uh, is on Upstream RE. Not, not I, I mean,
1: I and I think I'm in agreement. The only place where I would assign some blame to NAR is that they should have done this simply. They should have just simplified it. They should have just written Upstream a check for thirteen million dollars. Right. And at the time when this whole thing began, you know, like they had Second Century Ventures, right? DocuSign hadn't exited. They could have just said, okay, 13, uh, Second Century Ventures is going to put $13 million into Upstream RE. We are going to want this much equity, and in, and uh, we're going to want two board seats because we have this much e- you know equity of the company. You know what I'm saying? They've done it that way and said, right. you know what, guys, and right. now okay. you have the money. It's our money, but it's yours now. We have shares we have investment so we're going to have an influence we're going to be able to tell you kind of how we would prefer you to do things but Alex you have a budget of 13 million it's yours you control it you decide what you want to do with it I mean that would have made things you know a lot easier because look I mean over the past years right I mean how many times have we heard sort of recrimination from both sides saying you know there's no communication there's no direction there's this you know the vendors aren't going to work with us you know, all that kind of stuff right and I'm saying, look, it, it's, a lot of it to me is because there wasn't this clear sort of line of authority that comes from the fact that you write a check to somebody else. You know, so that's, if I'm going to blame NAR for anything, it's that. And quite frankly, it's, it's something that NAR tends to do a lot, right? Where they, in an effort to kind of control things more, they actually end up like killing the golden goose. You know, it would have been just easier and simpler and had a large,
0: much higher chance of success. If they just wrote somebody a check. Okay. So let's just, let's let's, let's go from that point then. And now they're, they claim to have a new vendor. Maybe we can talk about who we think that is, but let's just go back to the fucking premise of this goddamn thing. Anyway. Right. These guys to me are still arranging fucking, you know, chairs (laughs) on the the deck of the Titanic. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's like, first of all, it's like, I'd I'd have had way more respect of just saying, listen, there's other, I mean, between the video we just talked about, all the capital being poured into this, you know, the the pressure on commissions, these motherfuckers still think they want to get the Mm -hmm. listings back in the bottle. Right. Right. It's just, it's insane. Yeah. And then, now they're going to, you know, if I'm the new vendor, whoever it is, I would get all my (laughs) money up front because number one, they've already proven they can't implement anything. Right? And number 2, the premise of this whole goddamn thing, the way it is now is is, is crazy town. What do you find so it's crazy about town, right? So, now,
1: you know, the, now that we've seen kind of, you know, with that pivot and everything.
0: Well, you know, first of all, it's a moving it's a moving target. It first was like we want you got 10 days motherfuckers. We're going to have right. control of our listings, right? It was it started from there. Then it was like softening. Well, it's all about double entry. We don't want to like double entry. Right. I mean, that just that was ridiculous. Right. And then it was about security. You know, it's, we have, to, you know, everybody's out there, you know, security, security. I'm like, you know, if Equifax got right. hacked, anybody could get hacked. So don't, don't tell me you're going to pay somebody to do a better job than these guys. It's, it's all just complete crazy craziness, right? For, but to me, the, the, the really large thing is that they want to go back to the future. They want a world where the brokers mm-hmm. have all the data. All the listing data, and then people have to come to them. they want to become right. the gatekeepers again. Right. that's what this is all about to me, and that's just if you're gonna if you're fighting in today's world with the internet of of flowing down the, the 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 data flow you're just you're on the wrong side of history, man, and you've got to think of it now what I'm hoping is that if they are going to do this, they're going to come okay. up with a new premise, a new okay. narrative for what they're trying to do and and that's the only way and I don't know what that could be. But, you know, my, my prediction on who it is goes along with that, where you basically kind of, you, you got to partner with, you know, the, the, the people that are have the same okay, enemies so you have.
1: Let's talk about this. Right.
0: Because that's, that's, that's we just, don't know who the new vendor is. Sure. No. They, 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 they're, again, they're being yeah. mysterious about I, you it. Know, so like saying, Facebook, you know, like on Facebook, I predicted it was Please. Moxie Works. You
1: predicted, was it core logic? Okay. So just core to logic, set the record straight, it's, gotta it's gotta definitely logic. not WNR Studios. <laughs> yeah, and it's definitely because you know, you guys have an MLX, you
0: know, front end product, right? I mean, you know, it's not
1: a unreasonable thing it could
0: be you. Well, we're not, we're you know, we're really not a a per spec kind of house, right? We're not really yeah, good but thirteen at million dollars stuff, right? <laughs> that is a lot of money, you know. Just saying,
1: <laughs> Alright, But to be sure, yeah, it's not you. Okay, yeah. So I think it's Moxie Works because, to some extent, I'm agreeing that I think <clears throat> upstream has changed. Right, that it used to be all about listings, 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 and now it's actually expanded into all this other data beyond listings. I mean, they talked about this several times, you know, about like customer data and data analytics and transaction data and whatever other internal brokerage data, you know, that that blah, right? Blah, blah,
0: well, that's blah, I mean,
1: blah, MoxieWorks yeah. is one of the better platforms out there for doing that, right? And given the ownership of MoxieWorks, given who participates in upstream and you know all these other projects. It just seemed like it made sense. You know, so that's that's my take on why I think it's Moxie works, right? Because
0: yeah, I just don't think Windermere has the technical chops for that. Okay, at all. so what what
1: technical chops I mean, I do you need? I mean, think, we're talking about software so. that's like thirty years old.
0: You know, the thing in the business is this old saying in the business: the parable of business is every MLS is different, and you've got different business rules and different ways that MLS is. You know what they, what they how they Broadcasting I don't know if broadcast is the right word, but from everything I heard that is a very a very tough thing to implement because all the MLss are set up differently and and all the MLS systems are set up so they can be flexible enough to handle those types of things. so to get that done is going to be very uh, very difficult now you know if if there if we start getting stuff like some standards set up in there, that would open up to a larger field of vendors out there, but we're not even fucking close to that okay. at all, right. So I just I just don't think a company like MoxieWorks is is really capable right, well, of kind of making this things. thing. Number one, that's not a
1: technical challenge. That is a political challenge, right? Business rules and local MLS policies and so on. That that's not a technical challenge, right? The technical prowess you're talking about is needed because of the political challenge. Is, is that a fair statement?
0: No, no. I mean, knowing a little bit about this, I mean that. The, the way you have to kind of ingest different data structures and make that, you know, into one system is, is, is pretty well, yeah, no, no, I, pretty I get difficult. it. What I'm saying,
1: though, is like um, the reason why that becomes difficult is because everyone has these different data structures, different business rules. There's nothing inherent about real estate listing data that makes it impossible to create standardization, right? Because otherwise, RESO wouldn't exist.
0: Well, okay, but we still—it's been how long, and we still not a standard. That's telling me there's something. I'm just pointing out that it, it.
1: to me, it's not a technological challenge; it's a political and you know, local control type of challenge. Right. So that's number one.
0: Well, if you can't solve things politically, and these things all stand, then it yes, becomes a technical challenge. And I guess the
1: first thing I would note, though, is upstream. Okay, NAR is no longer the vendor, but look, it was a partnership between the largest brokers in the country. And the National Associate of Realtors, from a political standpoint, they could have just gone and said, here are the uh, NAR model business rules policy and be done with it, which reduces the technical challenge, right?
0: Well, again, I, RPR never had the political clout in the MLS industry. To NAR, dude. Right? If the NAR MLS big... policy
1: committee said, here's the model uh, business rules. It's a
0: myth. Me- I get calls from yeah. consultants and people every day where they contact the MLS and say, I need right. to have this feed for my broker. And the MLS says, I'm not going to give it to you. And like they have to call <laughs> NAR to tell them, you know, please tell That's this MLS <laughs> to give me the data. I do not
1: know that.
0: I mean, it's just, you know, don't get me started on NAR says this and everything happens. I mean, sometimes they're, sometimes right, they're
1: right, just right. straight up not right, capable fine. of doing it. So you, that. You, you, you win. It's not MoxieWorks. So give me a reasons why you think it's core logic.
0: It's got to be it's okay. got to be an MLS vendor, right? The way they said it in the, the I don't know if it was an email or a post Alex said, "We targeted a new partner that will this is quote, quote, we targeted a new partner that will multiplier acceleration technically, geographically and politically." Okay, okay, so let's go through that. Technically and geographically. Technically acceler- multiplier acceleration. First of all, and I said this in a post, have these guys ever heard of the phrase <laughs> under promise over deliver? i mean motherfucker just say you know what we're going to try to get this launched in a few markets next year and make the you know make a go of this and do this correct no we're going to multiply our acceler. i mean it's just ridiculous again this is why this thing is going to fail again if they keep having if first thing i would do if i'm their new vendor i would tell them to <laughs> shut the fuck up go in a fucking cage and never block remove your blog oh, remove your mouth and just you know Uh, Let us get to work here, but surely WNR Studios
1: is not the vendor.
0: (laughs) 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 Given how you're talking about (laughs) Upstream, so you got okay. Again, multiplier acceleration. Why why, why not Black Knight? Why not FBS? Well, I think when they say geographically, I mean CoreLogic has the most. FBS, I I think, is a dark horse here. If I was going to, my second guess would be FBS, but. But anyway, so technically, geographically, so technically to me means they got to go with a partner that technically right. can make this happen quickly, multiplier acceleration. That's got, you know, the the people that know this are going to be the people that make these systems, right? So okay. to me, that, that points to a vendor. Geographically points to, well, geographically, CoreLogic has the most agents out there. If there's 1.3, okay. they okay. have 700,000 of them. And politically. So I guess the rep they had before was that, and, and I think Dale Stitton said this, that they were talking about how right. this cabal of – right. and they were talking about MLS vendors, right. right, were not on board, right? Well, I think if they can get an MLS vendor on board and the largest one out there, that that's going to help them politically to get it done because now they're sleeping okay. with okay. the enemy in a sense. Okay. you know And I don't think is their enemy. And that – so all that gives me – if it's going to be core logic, to me, this is going to turn into kind of some sort of I, – I was okay. calling it like a trestle yeah. 360. Right, and that seems to me that I think they're going to change the premise of what they originally started of doing the separate, and it, it still could be separate. But I don't think this—you're going to find out that the premise of, the, of what Upstream is about is going to change significantly. And if it changes significantly, then they might have a shot, unless Upstream still starts, you know, overpromising and under. So let's it, right? let's so,
1: think through this political um, aspect for a second. Because what I know is when Upstream came to be, uh, is the the birthplace. It's it's like when the friendship between MLSs and Zillow really started to materialize. Right? Because until Upstream came along, MLSs looked at Zillow like the enemy, and they're you know they're the they're the Satan spawn. Not no, I, I would I would, I, I would disagree. Let's just say that. that it wasn't you know entirely friendly. After upstream, I've heard from more than one MLS exec say stuff like, you know, at this point, I have to think that Zillow might be our best friend, right? Because they were really afraid that upstream and NAR existed to put the local MLS out of business, to replace the local MLS. I mean, I, I, think, I don't think that's really debatable, you know? Now, things have changed over time, and, you know, a number of MLS have partnered with upstream, and they tried it, and they rolled it out. But then you look at, like, the Inman article. That came out sort of as a postmortem. And boy, like, you know, some of the MLS execs are talking about upstream and its failures. What? Yeah. You know, uh, it doesn't feel like
0: uh, it it was a close and loving relationship there. Well, of course it wasn't because we've been talking about these goddamn people for three years and and all the energy that's been expended by MLSs, by the industry itself, so the podcast, the blog posts, and these guys came up with nothing. Nothing. Okay. But let's move forward. It's just, it's, so here's my question. My question is, let's say it's CoreLogic,
1: like you said, because geography, you know, the technical chops, etc. What I'm wondering about is how does this affect CoreLogic's relationship with their MLS, you know, clients? Do the MLS look at this and say, okay, well, now that CoreLogic, our friend is doing upstream, we're totally cool with it? Or do they look at it and go, oh no, like now you're my enemy too. Which is more likely to you?
0: Great question. Great question. So again, it depends on what I think that they're going to pivot again. I think that Upstream is going to pivot again into something that I that I'm hoping, and this is going back to that kind of statement and politically, quote unquote, that they're going to they're going to pivot to something that's going to be something the MLS providers can stomach, right? What Um, would that be? And I think you know, on record, a lot of the MLS guys, you know. I think the, the the biggest extreme could be just another status. You know, don't post the MLS. Okay. Right? So if I'm the MLS and my vendor, when it created you don't know, post the MLS status, I'm going to be like, yes, let's renew. Well, again, um, you know, there, right. there's 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 technology, right? So that that to me could accelerate this whole thing, right? Just having a status that's like, you know, pre-MLS or something, right? That the brokers could have, uh-huh. that's a thing that they could download, that they could do whatever to. Everything else. That's you know a technical thing. Policy wise, you know, that's gonna open up another kind of can of worms and we'll see what happens there, right? But you know, to me, I'm I'm looking at this, let's okay. just how do we get but this off a, the ground? Well what's the this? Right. So then at that point you don't have to build another list of input, you don't have to build a, you know, worry about rules. It's you know, it's just it's a okay. status, yeah. you know, that's just one idea. I mean there's I've heard other people post right. several type of things, right? So a lot of the MLS CEOs have, have said in the past that they think upstream is a, is a is a valid ID idea, right, so I don't know if they're saying that for political reasons or they actually believe that, but some of them think that the goal of an of a broker to kind of have their own type of database or you know permissioning or whatever you want to call it of where they're in control of sending those things out or doing some of that data is a good idea so again if you if you marry that with maybe a trestle thing where you know there's some metrics and and other things that they they add a trestle that that kind of status right. is fed into only Trestle or something, there might be something there. I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what kind of policy or, or how it's going to work out, but I think there's going to be definitely some sort of some sort of pivot on how they implement it and also what the policy is, is regarding that, right? We'll see. I mean, so basically what you're saying
1: is, so again, what I was curious about is if it is core logic, but for that matter, it could be Black Knight, it could be FPS. What we're saying is, What The MLSs will live with that if they think that this is the MLSs co-opting upstream by way of their trusted vendor and friend. In other words, like if if it ends up being CoreLogic, the MLSs or CoreLogic's customers would say, well, this is the best possible news because we know CoreLogic, we trust CoreLogic, and we know that they're not going to screw us. If CoreLogic is going to screw anybody, they're going to screw upstream, right, to make sure... That we're protecting.
0: No, no, no. I, I don't, I don't think. I, I, I don't think. I mean, the way you're phrasing it, where, you but I, I know you're baiting me here a little bit. But um, I, I don't. I don't think that a lot of the MLS organizations look at their MLS vendor as their trusted okay. friends. So a lot of times, but, right? So then that's the bait, um, right?
1: So then the other side of this equation is okay. Core logic. You know who I'm paying you millions of dollars a year to. You've just decided to go and work for the enemy who wants to put us out of business, right? I mean.
0: Again, a lot of MLS CEOs, at least what they're talking like, they don't think that Upstream's out there to put them I, out of business. I,
1: but that depends on if Upstream really is like ListHub 2.0, you know, it's just a syndication tool Then I guess, right? If it's more than that, if it really does revolve, involve things like not put this listing into the MLS, then, yeah, I think that ends up being a political problem. And the, all the political capital that you mentioned CoreLogic having, it could disappear like overnight.
0: If that comes to be right,
1: am I what am I missing on that? That's, I guess, what I'm wondering.
0: Well, I mean, you know, there's going to be a brand new world here. You know, one of the rumblings I was hearing was okay. let's talk about Zillow owned homes. Not you know, that, that big, big of a tension here, right? <laughs> I've been talking about so it. So if you're
1: <laughs> right,
0: Zillow owned homes, and there's they own some homes out there. Zillow might opt to put that home on Zillow for three weeks, yeah, before they put it on the MLS. And as the owner of the yeah. home, they have a perfect right to do that, right? So when you're in a world like that, I, and again, this is why I think the way Upstream is thinking about it, and maybe how we're all thinking about listings and and MLS and everything else, could be like rearranging, you know, chairs on a deck of of the Titanic. It's like I think there's going to be a lot, a lot more thinking about taking these old paradigms and and right. and applying them towards the future, right? So whatever pivot upstream is making, there's going to be some pivots that right. MLSs are going to have to make as well. But, you know, to me, you know, going back, if they're just a syndication play or anything else like that to control the listings. And I think this has already played out in, in Las Vegas right. when they try to, you know, and I think, I think this is completely deliberate by the board of greater Las Vegas. I think they just gave the brokers what they want oh, because okay. they knew the outcome. Right. They knew, okay, you want this? Sure, let's, let's right. sh- we'll, we'll announce we're going to shut it down. And then everybody freaked the fuck out because they knew the first thing their seller would do when they listed was go to Zillow. And if it wasn't there and they called the broker and the broker would, well, hey, uh, double entry, uh, uh, security. We, we want to control <laughs> right. it. Fuck you, put it on the goddamn site. Right. Right, the, right. the game is already over with on that, right? So there's got to be some new level of thinking. Hopefully the guys that up all the brokers on the board of directors or whatever, I don't think so. But maybe there's going to be some new, fresh thinking around what is this future going, that we're going into, right? I, I hope that's the case. I don't think so. I think they're still on the whole thing. Well, if we don't get on the MLS, then we don't have to send it to Zillow, and then, we'll, then they'll have to yeah. come back to us. I mean you – You know, know what, what's,
1: uh, what occurs to me just now is, boy, if, if that's the case, then it could, couldn't we argue that CoreLogic's the exact wrong vendor, it, it, here's what I mean: like, not that CoreLogic's not smart, not that they don't have good developers, but if you're looking for something totally fresh and new to tackle the new world, right, where nothing is certain and everything's going to be changing, you know, is bringing on the largest vendor of MLS software is is that where you're going to get that innovation and those fresh thinking and all of that?
0: I don't know. Again, they're just again they're they're going to be the vendor for this. Right, so you need to get to scale. You need to have somebody that's going to actually okay deliver me this database, whatever the policies and the business right. models. That's all separate from that, right? But they they can't do anything right. unless they can get this technically working, so that they have right. this right. asset now. Now, what am I going to do with it, right? And I just don't think there's an imagination enough at Upstream that that is really looking at this thing to kind of look what could be right. done if if they do get this. I think they're thinking old school. I think you're right. like you said, they're thinking syndication and all this stuff and I, that that ship has sailed buddy right you, you know it's sailed it's sailed it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's below the horizon and if you look behind you the motherfuckers the are, coming you. Of
1: the world are coming behind you so uh, hey listen i mean god we're already on, almost an hour so let me let's try and wrap up here's here's the last thing and again like my post frankly i don't really have a you know dog in the fight i don't care if it's core logic Black Knight, Moxie Works, FBS. You know, I would care if it was you because then my friend would be making more money. But, you know, it's like, I, I don't really, you know, I, I don't <laughs> care that much about that. The only thing I will say is this, because I do mean this. Whoever the new vendor is, I hope Upstream is paying them.
0: Right. I hope the brokers... Oh, I would get all my money. You, of you front know, I, mean, I was so points, like, I hope yeah, the I'll brokers that are involved in
1: Upstream, they realize, like, One of the reasons why the whole NAR, RPR, Upstream thing failed is because they themselves, as the people that are behind this and people that are controlling it, the people that are on board of governors, like, yo, those guys need to write some checks, right? Those guys need to write some checks and give Upstream, you know, RE its own war chest and its own bank account, like, so that they can go out and engage whoever the new vendors. If it's CoreLogic, it's like, go engage CoreLogic and go, we're going to pay $10 million to build a system for us. And if you start
0: fucking up, we're gonna pull the contract. Like you know what I mean? Like
1: I hope they do that at least.
0: Yeah. Well, here's the here's the thing, talk about writing checks. So, you know, I read something this morning on the Times about um oh, a possible right. recession next year. <laughs> and of course everybody's been talking about Commission compression. Um, The market shifting. Yeah. How how long are those fucking checks are gonna be fucking written? Where well, the brokers yeah. are gonna go, why am I writing this again? Well, it's, it's control of data. It's double entry. Meanwhile, they're they're
1: looking at like laying people off and closing offices.
0: Yeah. Yeah. again, whoever the new vendor is, (laughs) get your money up front. You heard
1: it here first. Get your your money up front. Whoever you are, Greg says, get your money up front. (laughs) Oh man. Like this is, yeah. You know, it's uh. We didn't argue enough, I think, in this one. Let's try and pick a topic where we might argue more. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, 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 nah, I was we be we talking about yeah, much. This it's time like it's conversation. This is real, like normal, legit conversation that happens in hallways, and we're just putting it on out of the internet because we're we're just crazy like that.
0: Hey, uh, so any uh, <laughs> any
1: cool plans for Christmas?
0: Well, let's see. Um, just kind of staying home. My uh, my mom is going to be coming visiting us starting oh, cool. on Friday, so I'm looking forward to that. And my two sons, uh, Cole and Toby, they have December birthdays. So oh, the, the poor lads! And the 28th, they got screwed. Yeah, no, we, we try to make it. Um, I always tell this story. We brought um, oh, Cole home okay. on Christmas Day, and I put him, his little thing underneath the tree and I took a picture oh, of that's awesome. the best Christmas present i But got. I mean, now he has to, like, does he even
1: get a birthday present and a Christmas present? Like how's that work?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think all parents of kids that have December birthdays know that there's a, the, the, the thing they really miss out on are like the parties right. during the year where all their friends go to. That's, that's the real thing. I mean, yeah, the Robertson boys are, <laughs> are well taken care of on the present guys. It's. It's, they get chipped right. out well, on the parties know, with their you friends. You gotta enjoy that while they're young,
1: because you know soon enough they're not gonna want to party with you. Like they're gonna yeah. want to party, with you, but not with you. So, no. <laughs> well, that sounds yeah. wonderful. Yeah. So uh, I'm what gonna go you? visit my boys in Houston, and then uh, Sunny and I are going to repeat oh, our fifth date ever uh, by spending Christmas in Belize. <laughs> One Remind me to tell you the story about what Christmas day service at this Catholic church in Belize was like uh, You know, a couple of years ago when we went, it was epic. It was epic, but uh, no, but dude, it, was, it was, it so was just so, so amazing. <laughs> in fact, Sunny is better able to tell that story. So if we ever get her on a podcast or next time we see you, we'll have to tell you that story. But uh, hey, listen, uh, to our awesome. audience, thank you all for listening to us uh, this, this year. Um, obviously, you know, we don't do this without, without you guys uh, listening and supporting and kind of badgering Greg. Like, when's the next one coming out and, and all of that? And uh, you know, it's a lot of fun <laughs> for us, and hopefully it's been fun for you. Um, and I, I would love to wish you and your family a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year if we don't talk to you before then.
0: Happy holidays, everybody. Thanks again for your support.